Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Welcome, everybody. And this... uh I'm very, very excited to be with all of these esteemed panellists to discuss the, the gender disparity within our industry and as we've, we've learned from our statistics that there is a gender inequality going on and uh, to discuss this we have producer Leanne Tonks. <laughs> the artistic director of the Melbourne Theatre Company. Brett Sheehy. The ABC's Managing Director, hello, Michelle Guthrie. (laughs) And the wonderful actor-performer, Georgina Naidu. And each of the panellists have agreed to give their own bios because they're very lengthy and it could take the whole session for me to get through them. So, um, Leanne, would you like to begin with an introduction of yourself? Sure. Um, So, I'm producer Leanne Tonks. Um, I have a feature film and um, uh, web series short film and advertising history. Um, I have my own production company, Sense and Sensibility, um, and I have currently about nine or ten feature films in development, um, nine of which have uh, female writers, and uh, the majority will have um, also female directors. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, I'm Brett Shee. I spent uh, 10 years running the literary department of the Sydney Theatre Company. Then I spent 10 years directing the Sydney Festival, the Adelaide Festival, then the Melbourne Festival, and now I'm Artistic Director of Melbourne Theatre Company. And if we're all skiting about our kind of women achievements, um, <laughs> we, we, we've gone beyond gender parity. We have um, seven um, of our plays next year directed by women and five by men. Um, but five written by women and seven by men. So, um, you know, in the writing, we might have a bit of a way to go yet. Hi, I'm Michelle Guthrie. Um, you probably have to have been under a rock to not know that I'm the, the new um, managing director of the ABC. I've been um, in the role for about seven months. Sometimes it feels like seven days, sometimes it feels like seven years, depending. Um, I uh, grew up in Sydney, um, but I left Australia in about 1992. So I'm a lot older than than, uh, um, a lot of you in the audience. Um, And I worked in uh, Singapore, um, then then came back briefly to Foxtel for a couple of years, and then uh, Hong Kong for 12 years, um, and Singapore again, and, and now very happily back in Australia. Um, you know, you know the ABC is just an extraordinary institution, I, and I feel ridiculously privileged to to be given the opportunity to to um, uh, you know contribute for a little while. Um, and I, I I think that what we've what we have done is is extraordinary, but what we can do is even more extraordinary. So so particularly in in relation to diversity. Thank you. 
Uh, good morning. I'm Georgina Naidu. I'm uh, a performer, a writer. I am a graduate of law school, so I've recently been uh, doing legal research for a new TV series for the ABC, which I then um, wormed my way in to play one of the roles. Um, I'm very passionate about uh, rights, about justice. Um, I fight for equality and um, I'm very passionate about diversity. So that works its way into my work and my heart with whatever I'm doing and I'm privileged to be on the panel with you all today. Thank you. Just to give you a little inkling of how this might look for the, the next hour, um, we'll, we'll discuss each person's personal experience in their field of, of gender parity and, and how that's impacted in each of their fields. And then we'll discuss uh, why gender matters and if it matters and then what changes we feel need to take place um, in order to uh, address the disparity. And I'm sure that we'll go off on many tangents along the way. Leanne, if I could ask you firstly um, of your experience and if you could touch on um, Screen Australia's Gender Matters initiative and if you feel that is, is doing enough and has it addressed the disparity within the screen industry? Sure. So um, <laughs> I came from um, a background, actually, when I first started, I was a sound engineer. I was one of the few female sound engineers in Australia at the time. So I guess with that, um, that experience motivated me into really wanting to ensure that female voices were heard. Um, and that's um, across the sphere, you know, everything, feature film, um, television, uh, you know, everything that we, we create. I mean, ultimately, women are 51% of the population, so on a, why on earth wouldn't we? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm really um, excited by what Screen Australia set out to do. Um, they instituted the Gender Matters program um, in 2015 and um, launched um, a five-step plan to... Um, try to turn things around, particularly in feature films where there were only 16% of female directors. Uh, and that um, initiative uh, led to the, 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 the largest amount of applications they've ever received for any um, uh, call-out they had done for funding, with 452 applications coming in in that one um, call-out. Um, and it's interesting, it was meant to be a one-off. Um, I had a, a panel recently at the... Um, Screen Producers um, Association conference uh, when Nerida Moore was there and she actually did say that um, they were very surprised by the amount of um, applications that came in and that they are considering doing it again. So I think we should make sure they do it again. Um, uh, you know, I think for, for me it's great um, having all of the, the, the money or a lot of the money being spent on development um, and career development. Um, I think that's, that's a fabulous beginning. I see it as a beginning, it's not the answer. Um, I think for me, um, what I want to see is that this is not just a, well, we've put um, X amount of dollars and this is not just to Screen Australia, it's to every funding body and, and everybody who supports the arts in any way. Um, it's not a single um, solution, it's um, the beginning of, of the answer and I think, um, you know, it's, it's imperative that those stories end up making it to our screens um, and a big part of that is 
ensuring that the decision makers who ultimately make the calls as to whether those, those films and whether those TV series will be made, um, that there, there are enough women in those decision-making positions. And unfortunately in our industry, I think that's one of the biggest things we need to address, women in leadership in those areas. And, um, and the lack of women, I think, being able to make those calls as to you know, what we see on our screens. So I think that's what's got to, got to be seen as some part of the solution that really needs further work, in my opinion. And moving from that, le women in leadership um, and the lack of women in leadership roles, Michelle, it's 84 years. It's taken 84 years for a woman to become a managing director of the ABC. Uh, why do you think it has taken this long and how do we go about not having to wait so long again? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it is, um, you know, one, one, whenever I'm asked that question, I always, you know, turn it back and say, look, you know, it, it's a fantastic, um, you know, a privilege to be given the opportunity and be the you know first woman in 84 years, but I also sort of turn it around and say it's hard to believe, as good as I am, that I am the first woman that has had the merit to have that role um, in 84 years. So you know the question is, you know what's prevented that? And I, you know I, I we talked about this before, but I do think that there. Is there is a difference between um, the way in which we, um, you know, judge women and men in senior in in senior roles, um, and I do think that that's not okay. Um, so you know, I'll give you an example. The if if as part of of you know the job requirement, um, it is that you have had to have you know been the CEO of a of a you know, broadcaster or a CEO of a, of a significant organisation. Well, I ticked that box because I was given that opportunity at Star TV. I was the CEO of Star TV at 37. But it, it means that, that you know, you, there's not many <laughs> people, you know, that, that many women that have had that experience. So if that's the skill set that we're looking for, then, then it does limit the pool. Um, one of the things that, you know, I, I used to um, lead the, the Women at Google initiative as on top of my, um, my main job of running partnerships for Google across Asia. And one of the things that, that you know, I was challenging our recruiting team about was, you know, they, they would say, we can't find women, you know, senior women. And I said, well, where are you looking? And, you know, and they were looking at technology companies where there are no women, right? So it becomes this this self-fulfilling kind of, you know, uh, or kind of vicious circle. And so then the question is, well, what, what skill set do we really need? Um, you know, I always say that before I managed a public broadcaster, I'd never managed a public broadcaster before. So, you know, in, in, in a lot of situations, we have to take chances on people. Um, you know, we have to see whether people are capable of, of doing things. And, and so it does require a mindset of, of capability rather than ticking the box to say, you know, this person has, has all of this experience. Um, you know, I think the, the other thing that we need to be sort of somewhat mindful of is, uh, and again, this is, this is a sort of, you know, generalisation, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure it has a lot of resonance for women in the room. Um, certainly I found that 
I never applied for jobs, um, you know, and I certainly didn't apply for jobs unless I thought I was 150% qualified for, for roles. And so, you know, I remember um, once at, at Google being, you know, suggested for a role. And I, I looked at the job description and I said, well, I don't meet those qualifications. Um, and then I spoke to, to the person who was doing the hiring and he basically, you know, after, after sort of having a conversation with me, he said, you're perfect for this job. And I said, but you said you, I had to be, you know, a, a chief marketing officer. I had to have advertising agency experience. I don't have any of that. And they said, but you ran a broadcaster. And I said, you didn't say that in the job description, right? I mean, so, so you know, I think, I think this idea of, of saying, well, you know, we, we apply openly, you know, we, ha um, we, we look at merit. The question is, well, you know, how do women perceive that as opposed to men? Um, you know, we were, we were sort of, you know, joking that, you know, I had men who would apply for roles that were 25% qualified for something. And, and you think, on what basis do you think you're remotely qualified for that? And, and so, you know, I, I do think that, that, you know, we have to be very conscious about what those invisible barriers are. Um, and, and also, as I said, the way in which, um, you know, um, even if you have transparent processes, the way that, that you know, men and women behave in, in you know, being presented with those opportunities. Mm. Well, Brett, you were, um, we were talking about women having confidence within themselves, which is what you're tapping into there to be able to pursue even key leadership roles and that belief in themselves within the M Melbourne Theatre Company. Uh, you were saying that the, you're having you're in initiating programs to encourage women. Yeah, to ab absolutely. Um, I don't know if uh, you're uh, some of you will be theatre people. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I think it was the 2009 Belvoir Street season, and I think it might have been Neil Arfield's final season. And um, unfortunately for um, the industry, or fortunately. Uh, chronologically, they rolled out each of the directors of each of the plays, and I think it was a nine-play season. It may have been a ten-play season, and on came bloke number one, bloke two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then Lee Lewis was the final director of the year, and she came on and sat on the end. And the optics of that was a bombshell for the theatre industry, and that's where everyone kind of sat up and took notice. I wasn't working in theatre then. I was in festivals, but I certainly took notice. Um, and when I got this job uh, at MTC, I remember within the first three weeks or so of, of my being announced, uh, ten young directing men um, contacted me and um, pretty well demanded a meeting with me um, to tell me how astonishingly good they were as directors <laughs> and what plays they'd like to direct. Um, and I took all of those meetings, that's the job, you know, but not one single woman contacted me. And, and I realised then that actually the responsibility wasn't on those women to contact me. The responsibility is on the women and men who are the gatekeepers or in positions of power to open the company and to find those women and bring those women in. So we in our, my first year set up a program called the Women Directors Program and I think we had 12 members in year one and we brought them into the company and they could see how the company worked, they could see what was required of a director within the company, etc. Uh, but we also uh, decided to, to do a little, not only mentoring, but also some, I guess, schooling or education. And we were bringing in senior businesswomen and senior 
female business coaches to work with these women directors as well. And even though I'm not the biggest Sheryl Sandberg fan in the world, um, the lean-in issue is an issue. And uh, what we found was these coaches were then um, giving these directors the skills to actually lean in and to promote themselves more and to pitch. Um, and I found myself in a position, you know, with them in, when I had them all together for the first time and just said, you know, it's easy for me to say, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm a bloke. I was raised to push myself forward. But, um, you know, in any foyer, if, if someone comes up to you and you have a job like yours or mine, and if, if that person says to you, look, is there any time in the next month you could just give me 10 minutes? I guarantee there's not a person in the world who could look you back in the eye and say no, you know? Um, and that's what I was encouraging these women directors to do, just get out there, network. I hate networking myself. My default position is one of pathological shyness. But, you know, you can take a deep breath and, I'm not promoting alcoholism, but have a drink. Uh, <laughs> And then kind of go for it. Anyway, look, we, we did that in year one and it went really well and we did another women directors program in year two. That went really well. So then we had kind of, you know, 22 uh, alumni, I think, of, of that. Then we decided why we're only limiting it to directors. So this year and then again in 17, it's now the women in theatre program. And we've, we've branched it out to include producers, lighting designers, set designers, production people and so on. Um, and look, it's working really well. I, I mean... Uh, from our first kind of group of, of women directors, two of them have gone on to run theatre companies. Uh, Nadia Kostic, who went through the program, now runs St. Martin's. Uh, Claire Watson, who went through the program, now runs the State Theatre Company in Western Australia, which is Black Swan. And we're at a situation now where we have, um, as I said earlier, you know, seven women directing um, our plays next year and five men. So it's, it, it's, it's working and it's working wonderfully. But it wasn't an affirmative action program. If, if I would describe it as anything, for me it was an, this sounds hokey, an, an awareness action program. I just wasn't aware of these women and that they weren't kind of coming in and I realised we needed to invite them in and once we did, my God, you know, obviously the talent was astonishing and all of us, you know, our egos are big enough that all we want is fabulous reviews and great box office and the fact that, you know, next year seven of our plays have women doing that and five men doing that uh, speaks heaps, I think. Thank you. <laughs> and just to hear the wonderful voice of actor Georgina Naidoo, uh, actors, we're not key creatives necessarily in a project. We don't necessarily... We're, we're often the voice of the key creative. So how challenging is it as an actor for you and your experience to be able to bring gender parity, but also because as a woman of colour, there's also other, other criteria on your own personal agenda to bring your story into the picture. And, and could you please speak about your experience? Um, so I grew up in a family where we were... Uh, I was one of three daughters. We were told we could be anything we wanted to be. I don't think that's unusual. I think it happens a lot and we've heard other panel members say that yesterday. So I wanted to be an actor. I got into drama school. Um, it's not really the Aussie thing to do, but I'll say I'm really bloody good. I did really well and um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I felt incredibly empowered and very excited about the career I was going to have and how I was going to change the face of Australian film, television and theatre. 
So there were two very strong actors who came out of the year. Um, male, one male, one female. The male has gone on to work in blockbuster American films and been in films that have been nominated for Oscars. I have had a lovely career, um, but I have no money in the bank. Um, and, you know, there have been times where there is no work. Um, when I first left drama school, I, I didn't realise there was a gender imbalance. I didn't realise there was an issue of... Um, I, I thought we didn't see people of colour on television because they hadn't trained. I thought we weren't seeing um, gender equality because people hadn't trained. It was the, the shock of entering the workforce and finding out that that wasn't the reality. It feels bizarre to be here talking about gender equality. It's, it's really weird that we even have to talk about it. Um, so, it's, I've been very blessed with a lot of the work that I've had, but I always have to be mindful of what am I saying as a woman? Um, what am I saying as a woman of colour? Um, what can I do to make things better? How can I change the face of things? And it's, that's a big weight to carry. And have you had the experience of having to speak the words of um, a character that you don't resonate with and you don't wish to perpetuate that message into, the, into society, but they're not... Because you're speaking the words of a writer that's been you know, approved by a network, yes, okay, you, this script is as is and you will say those words. Have you had that experience where you really don't want to say those words and how you get out or how, how you navigate that terrain? Um, I have and it, that thing where you, where you read the lines or you do the read and something um, twists in your stomach mm. and you feel sick and you think, I'm very happy to have this job but now how do I do it justice? Mm. And it's a really um, difficult thing to navigate, but I would say that age and time and experience makes that easier. Mm. Um, yeah, finding the voice and not, you know, being, um, being able to do it in a way where you don't piss people off and lose jobs. That's it, you know? yeah, yeah. So just um, gender. Why does it matter and does it matter? That's very general, but I know that you all will go into specifics. So, <laughs> why, do we why do we bother? Because, because you know, I mean, I, I keep quoting people I'm not a massive fan of. I'm Justin Trudeau, you know, because it's 2016 um, and women are more than half of the world. And, and, you know, I get the tram to work each morning and, and home, um, only because I love it. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the, what I see on that tram is, you know, um, absolute gender parity. And I see it walking in the street. And, and, you know, to not have that reflected at every level of society is absurd. Um, that's why it matters. Um, can I... Uh, I so, um, why not reflect the truth? Um, I think we need to go back and we need to retell history. There have been very important females doing incredible things throughout history and that story hasn't been told. So we need to go back. Then we need to look at who we are and reflect that and then we need to reflect an imagined future that's better. 
and give the young people something to aspire to rather than, than dealing with unconscious bias, them dealing with feeling inferior, feeling like they have to be 150% right for the job. And that does matter, it's very important. I mean, obviously, at, at the ABC, as, as the pu you know, public broadcaster, it is incredibly important that we reflect Australia. I mean, that's why kind of, you know, my first note to the staff on my first day in the job, I, I, you know, I, I walked down the street and said, those people are not the same as, you know, kind of within our organisation. And what should we do about that? Um, and, you know, that's not just a gender issue, but it's, it's a, you know, cultural diversity issue. It's, it's a number of different lenses. And, and I genuinely believe that if you're not reflective of the community or the audience, then you're not telling stories that are relevant to them. Um, you know, it's, it's as fundamental as that. Uh, you know, although it was very interesting when I was based in, in Asia, remember um, one of, one of uh, the first trips I made to Pakistan um, and, you know, I was asked to go and speak at, at a girls' school. And, you know, I asked the girls at, you know, at, at, this, um, at, this, at this school, you know, what do you want to be? You know, and, and, and at the time I was the CEO of Star TV. And they, they you know, the, the, um, the sort of most ambitious of the girls wanted to, be, wanted to be teachers. And, you know, I said, well, that's great, but, you know, don't you want to you know, run a TV station like me or... And, they, I mean, they just kind of looked at me and, and um, one, of, one of the teachers sort of came to me afterwards and said, actually, you know, they, they look at you and think you're a Martian, right? I mean, that, that, that they can't, you know, remotely relate to you. But the weird thing was, you know, when I then spoke to, to um, you know, members of the government, I said, you know, if you're not... Actually, you're only relying on half of your population in terms of skills and capability and talent. You can't compete globally. I mean, it's just not possible. It's it's like sort of you know doing something with one arm tied behind your back. If you're not, you know, actually taking real advantage of all of your human capability, that's you know not going to get you very far. So so it it is that real kind of fundamental question of of. You know, talent comes from everywhere, yeah. and unless you find the talent, you know, tap into the talent everywhere, you're not going to be successful. How how are you able to to do that as a managing director of the ABC um, structurally and yeah. recruitment wise? Um, well, you know, we're we're lucky in in the sense that you know we do have a majority of of women. Um, you know, at at the ABC, we've got I think 52% um, of our workforce is female. 40, about 46% of our of our um, executives or senior executives, and about um, you know 52, 53% of our content makers. Um, but I, I do think you know it is about being purposeful, and it's also about really recognizing those those different behaviours or you know any form of unconscious bias that that kind of flow into the system. So increasingly, you know I you know if we only hire sort of a, a couple of hundred people a year, then we need to be very purposeful and asking questions about, you know, is that, is that person, you know, the, the, the right fit? Um, are we thinking about, about, you know, diversity and how are we, you know, again, it's this, you know, 
the ABC is is a sort of an employer of choice, obviously, but you know, are we just responding to people that are finding us rather than us finding them? Mm, mm. Um, and how do we think about you know? And if that takes longer, then so be it. Because I think it is it is important if we're trying to make sure that we're reflective of the entire community that we that we're very purposeful about that. And and I don't think that happens, you know, um, just by itself. I'm actually really interested in the female gaze and I don't think, um, particularly in this country, that we are yet seeing um, female voices and female stories conveyed with a female perspective. Um, I think that's a really interesting area that we haven't yet delved into. And frankly, also, I guess if you, you, you're used to reading any of the statistics that um, the Gina Davis Institute or anyone else has um, generated recently, um, it makes sense. It, that generates more income for the people who are creating the content. I mean, it just doesn't make sense why we would ignore that that proportion of our um, of our creation pool, really creative pool. It just yeah, it's just defies logic, frankly. And I have two two daughters, and I guess seeing um, them grow up and and their experiences of the world, they're often also concerned about the male stereotypes that we're presenting. And I I want to know what women say about that on screen as well and you know we see men as you know playing those roles traditionally why don't we see men play the roles we're used to women playing and it's it's about i just you know just being really clever and thinking every time you cast a role could that be be a woman or a man and what's wrong with doing the opposite thing to what everybody's expecting mm. you know it's just that kind of thinking i guess well uh, uh, madeline from um did was saying it's as easy as just Changing the name from male to female. It's, a, it's that simple to, to change that. I think it's almost time for um, questions too. I was just going to say, I've yes, go so on. Prani in Sea Change was a man. Oh, so really? the character was written as a man. Wow. Um, and uh, the play I'm doing at MTC in 2017, I'm playing Norman. Um, I hope they change his name. <laughs> So uh, it it does happen, and it's it's not a difficult thing to do. Yeah, mm, do mm. it more, people. I think we'll we'll ask one more question, and while we're doing that, put your thinking caps on as to what questions you'd like to ask, and microphones will be taken to those with their hands up. Um, so so that things like gender equity and diversity aren't just buzzwords. And what can we, in real terms, from each of your fields, do um, to, to address that? Um, for me, I think it's about making sure that those um, people who are now being given the opportunity to uh, tell stories, that their stories end up being on our screens. And I think that's about the gatekeepers. It's about um, making it easier for those people to say yes. So. One of the initiatives that Screen Australia did um, did bring in was a matched um, distribution guarantee, so that they would match um, the uh, proportion of money that would had been put up by the theatrical distributor to enable um, to make it easier for that distributor to say yes ultimately, because they would have a pool of extra money that they could put into promoting that film. And so I guess it's things like that I think that that help make the difference that that make that perceived risk whatever it is, whoever thinks that there is a risk, um, to, to diminish that in some way so that we can actually make it easier. 
um, for those films and stories to be told? Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, for, the, for those who are gatekeepers, so-called, um, to not be afraid of having programs mm -hmm. um, and developing programs which can make change, and they really can. Uh, I mean, we've done it now with gender. Uh, we're about to embark on a similar thing with diversity, because in terms of cultural diversity, MTC isn't there yet. Um, but it's also about agitating within your organisations. Um, I mean, we last year achieved gender parity on our board. Uh, we yet to have a person of colour on our board. So obviously, we've got to get there as well. Um, all of those things, I, I, th I think, are kind of critical, and they're things that we can do without any investment of money, it's just will and, and, um, and energy and effort, I think. Um, I mean, I also have, and we're talking about this outside, and this is such a dangerous territory for a bloke to go in. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that in, in, certainly in terms of, in, in terms of directors um, and, and possibly writers, I think our, our training institutions, whether it be NIDA or WAPA or VCA, I think they should look at the possibility of occasional separate classes for the women in their programs and the men in their programs. And um, was, we've, we've all been so shy of, of making generalisations. But, but look, an observation I have made, um, and it's not across the board, uh, it's, it's occasional, but it hit me, was that a few times we, we've reached the end of the rehearsal period in the rehearsal room uh, with a woman director. And I would say um, the play in many cases was in a better place than under men directors. Uh, at that point, um, there was more detail, there was more emotional nuance, uh, the works were sometimes more moving, um, lots, lots of wonderful things. Moving that then into the pressure cooker of the production period, which for theatre is kind of one week in a theatre, um, and the women sometimes were taking their incredibly collaborative natures into that space, um, but it was working against them because what was needed sometimes in that space was pure dictatorship. You go there, you do that, I don't care about what you think. We have to get this bloody show on and we've got, you know, three days to get it on. Um, and the men tended to operate more powerfully in that space. Um, I raised this with... Um, oh, OK. Um, I won't name them. I raised this with a very, very, se a very senior person at NIDA some time ago. Um, and, and put this as a possibility, some kind of, uh, not lean-in training, but some kind of, you know, working in a room, physical training for women. And um, the response I got was, absolutely not. It's the fault of the production teams. They're blokey. They treat women badly, et cetera, et cetera. Much of which might be true. I don't know. I don't think it's true in our organisation. It might be true in some organisations. But I think we've got to have a compromise. We've got to kind of meet halfway in some way um, and not treat the women as victims, but not always treat the men as the perps either um, and find a way through together. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, that, that is... That that's a really important point. I think that, um, you know, it, it, we do have to recognise that, that, again, as a generalisation, men are different to women, right? Um, but I also, d you know, do want to make sure that the message I, I give to women is not, well, you have to be a man to, to kind of, you know, to, to succeed. I think the whole point around diversity is we're all different. Yeah. Um, and you celebrate that difference. And my style of leadership is very different to someone else's style of leadership. And it may be that that's, you know, 
that that the kind of expected style of leadership is, you know, because in the last 84 years they've they've all been male. I don't know. I mean, whenever I'm asked about what's you know is your your style of leadership different because you're a woman, I said I've never been a man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I know that this is what's authentic to me. Um, and and you know it's. It stood me in sort of reasonable stead over the, the, you know, this period of time, and I think the way in which I managed, particularly, you know, being based in Asia for almost 20 years, is around that more kind of inclusive style of leadership. And you know, it isn't, as I said, it isn't about saying to women you have to be, you know, to to lean in or be a bloke. Or, you know, I remember um, having having a discussion with with a whole lot of female leaders at. at Google, and they said, well, there's no point in leaning if the door is nailed shut, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, that that in some ways, you know, we have to make sure that the doors are open and the way in which we, we sort of make decisions is, is you know, takes into account people's sort of differences. But, you know, it, it is about just being aware. Um, and I think that does mean that, that women who are in, in senior leadership roles have to call out bad stuff or, or kind of just call out differences when they see them um, because, you know, I, I, I don't think the guys are, are purposeful. They, they're just used to, they, they're used to sort of this kind of behaviour. I mean, I, I talked recently at, at the Telstra Businesswoman of the Year Awards um, where I couldn't get over it when I be first became CEO and all the blokes sort of, you know, in my management team all lined up and asked for a pay rise and I thought, is this what you do? <laughs> I mean, I had no... I mean, I had absolutely no idea that that's what they did. And then, you know, uh, uh, not surprisingly, when, when I was put into that role, I was the lowest paid out of all the blokes. I'm like, okay, right? I get it now. That, that's, that's what they do. Um, that didn't mean I gave it to them, right? But, but it did... It, it was this kind of eye-opening experience of, huh, so I'm happy to now talk about it because... As I said, before, you know, I was in charge, I didn't know that's what happened. Um, guys don't talk about that. They just do it, right? And, and again, that doesn't mean, you know, that you have to do, you know, necessarily do that, but you have to be aware that that's what, that's what happens. Um, I'll just be quick. So I, I think on, that, on the issue of unconscious bias, we have a responsibility to call people out. So if it's unconscious, make them conscious. If they're conscious, make them shameful. That, that's one idea. I'm all for quotas. I'm all for targets. I'm all for changing the law. Um, and I just want to say to all of the women in the room, you are cleverer than you think you are. You are more talented than you think you are. Your idea is not the seventh best one on the list. Don't sit on it. Put your hand up. You're amazing. Just go for it. Here, here. We will take questions now from the audience. So, um, hello, I've, I've got the mic. Could you introduce yourself and then um, ask your Is question, please? Can you hear that? Yeah, hi, um, Vivian Glantz. Um, the recent Women in WA panel about uh, women, in uh, women and violence on the screen. And one of the, um, well, there were two panel members, both women, who said or implied that violence sells. 
So even in a perfect world where we may have female protagonists, where we may have women seen in professions, where we may have women sort of having some sort of agency, can we still expect that the sexualization of women, the sexual violence against women, um, and the sort of uh, way that women are always compared to the domestic as well as the professional, is that going to continue? Because that is another one of these issues that is very much about gender. Is that your terrain, Leanne? <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess... I guess for me, um, the response to that is about seeing the female perspective within that story. As much as it is about what's happening to the woman, it's about how that woman feels and what she's going through. And I honestly think um, as long as we have a certain amount of stories addressing what that woman's experience is, and ideally if it's told through the, um, through the, the eye of a female director or a female cinematographer... I think you will have empathy for that position. And I think that, for me, that's what stories are about. They're creating... They're about creating empathy and, um, and uh, a perspective that we haven't seen or haven't experienced. And for me, perhaps there is a place... I mean, I'm, I guess I'm not the audience for that and it's hard because I know that there is an audience for that kind of material. But I would say, you know, that, that there's a whole thing about, you know, there aren't enough female... Um, uh, horror um, filmmakers, you know, or, you know, uh, action film directors. And, you know, you look at um, Jennifer Kent and Babadook and, you know, the experience that she had and, and now she's being considered for some f fabulous um, opportunities internationally. Um, but, you know, that was a very female story and I think we need to have those kind of stories we need to see told from a female perspective. So I think if there's a balance for me, it's about balance. Um, I, you know, I think there's a place for most things as long as there's um, balance and equity. Thank you. Hi, I'm Anna Cheney. I'm uh, part of the Diversity Committee. Uh, one of the questions that I would love, even just a really short answer, is uh, if, we, if we achieve gender... When we achieve gender equality, <laughs> um, why? What, what is going to change? What will we see? How will our country change? Like, how can we say to people, look, the reasons that we want gender parity are because when it happens, we will have... That's a really hard question, but... That's a, a great question. And there'll be people here who, who know their um, 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 kind of recent political history much better than I. Um, I think... I could be dead wrong. But I think in some of the Scandinavian countries... Um, across the board, that there is um, something close to gender parity. I think that they've been at the forefront, certainly in, in politically, but also in terms of, you know, boardrooms, executives, etc. Um, in the arts, I'm not sure, in performance, I have no idea. But, but maybe, you know, maybe if we could find, you know, a country where it's happened or, or is close to happening and see how fantastic that is, um, and presuming it will be fantastic, that might be a way. I don't know, but it's... it's I mean, you've got me thinking now, I'm going to go research this, um, because it, yes. it is always great to have a model where you can say, this is what we can be, yeah. I mean, I, I do think it is really this, this idea that we are tapping into our talent pool. I mean, truly tapping into our, our talent pool and our creativity and our, 
and our hard work. But my cheeky response uh, to that to that uh, question is, we'll have equally incompetent you know women as we do yeah. incompetent men. <laughs> And hallelujah for that. Yes, we can be incompetent. We need to make mistakes. Yes. <laughs> Are there any other questions? Yes. Almost time. Uh, hello, is this working? Okay, cool. Hi, my name's Amanda Barber and I have a question about telling the truth on screen and stage. We've been talking a lot over the last couple of days about how, you know, like women, women make up 50% of the population, they're short, therefore we should be 50% on screen. But... And that applies, obviously, to different ethnic groups and everything. But something that came up on Saturday... This is not here, but somewhere else. Um, Could you just speak up a little bit, please? <laughs> Sorry. And, and maybe slow down a little bit, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Basically, um, with telling the truth on screen, something that came up somewhere else um, last weekend was a woman said, oh, you know, um, it's great in Australia that the Indigenous population is only 3%, but on screen it's 5%. And the woman I was speaking to was American, and I was like, mm, like, there's a very horrible reason why they're only 3% of the population. So statistically, yes, it does sound like a good threshold that Indigenous representation on screen is 5%, but I would beg to differ in that it's not good enough, given our political social history of, you know, Australia and white Australia policy. So I would just like your thoughts on that, you know, is the truth, a statistical representation, does it go further than that? And what can we do? Complicated question, but give it a go. I think truth should um, be... We should have truth and then aspire to better. So that statistic is the least fucking thing we should do for Indigenous people in Australia. Let's have them on... Let them be 50% of the, um, the roles. Um, so truth is important and then we go beyond it for the better. That's my... Look, I, I'm a, a big believer in, you know, that, that you know, I, I would love a situation where gender doesn't matter, cultural background doesn't matter, you know, in, in terms of opportunity. Um, I, I don't think we're there yet. But in order to, to kind of get there, I do think you have to measure... Um, I think it is important to have to, to have transparency around what it is you're doing because I, I do think that it then, I, you know, I don't think that's the end, but it, it helps you along the journey to say, actually, you know, who are we covering in, you know, the Australian Story Program, for example? Um, you know, who, who have the panellists been on Q&A? You know, we're very purposeful about that. That doesn't mean that, that again, it's about... Box ticking, it, it's about, you know, using that as, as a kind of a, a lens or a, a reflection to say is, you know, did, you, did we realise we were doing that? Um, or, you know, how, how has that changed over time? I think we have time for one more question. There's... Yeah. Oh, sure. Hello, um, my name is Alex Keddy. I'm an actor and a writer. Um, I think a lot of the research that seems to be coming out, which is so fabulous, but it's very much quantitative research, and I think it's kind of coming back to this this other issue of... It's, I think it's a lot harder to measure qualitative research, to measure how women and men are being represented on screen, because sometimes, you know, you, it doesn't necessarily translate that having a woman at the helm of something is necessarily going to translate as positive representation, and vice versa. I'm raging feminist, so I'm all for, you know, having those opportunities behind the screen, behind the camera. 
but I just wonder how we can measure this representation. We've got things like the Bechdel test and everything, but how we can kind of monitor that. <laughs> yeah. so we've got some, some background noise of chairs moving upstairs. So the question is... Is, um, is there a way that we can measure qualitatively the progression of, of representation? Okay. Is that a Michelle question? You know, I, I think that, you know, uh, certainly when, when I was at Google, we, we spent a lot of time around, you know, we actually supported Gina Davis' research because it wasn't, it wasn't really, you know, it, it was around quantitative research, but then it was, and, and how are those, you know, um, women being represented? Um, are they the central characters or are they the, the, you know, again, is it box ticking or is it, is it sort of more fundamental than that? And look, I think it is, it is a great conversation to have. I think that ultimately the only way you're um, going to measure is, you know, frankly, over some period of time around, you know, are, are you really connecting with the community and the audience? I mean, I look at it from from an ABC perspective and say, you know, if, if we're not reflecting the community, if we're not telling stories that are relevant to my daughters and my, you know, daughter's daughters, then, you know, we're not, we're not going to be relevant, you know, into the future. It, it is that question of, of unless you, you, you know, are really successful, again, you can box tick all you like, but, but you need that connection. And, you know, the only way you're going to determine that is, your success as an organisation over time. Yeah. Unfortunately, our time is up. And I'd just like to thank Leanne Tonks, Brett Sheehy, Michelle Guthrie, Georgina Naidu for all of their insights and expertise. And I think I, think I feel more confident knowing that all of you mm. are in these positions and your inspiring message and actions are, are going to change. I think, the face of gender in our industry. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.